Hello, people of the internet. Welcome to Developer Side Quest, the podcast, the show that reminds us that we're all leveling up in our own special way. I'm your party leader, Al Rodriguez, and today we're chatting with another player character, Jason Westbrook. Hello! How's it going today? I'm doing fine. All right. So Jason Westbrook is a level 43 mimic that appears on the outside to be a competent developer. With a master's degree in computer science, he spends his nights thinking of grand apologies to his wife. He's also been trained by his uh, docs and rescue on how to be the best dog servant he can be. So I, I do want to point out that was something he wrote. I didn't uh, make it as an insult to him. Just another thing I can apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Jason. So uh, tell us tell us about your, your quest. What have you been working on with your free time and, and learning and all that kind of stuff? So um, where I work, uh, we have an e-commerce department. And um, I noticed a particular problem that was arising with our QA people. They would go and um, create uh, accounts, buy tickets, buy passes, whatever. And they would always use the same, I don't know, limited number of uh, credit cards. And when they went to log into their um, history, they would just have, it would take such a long loading time because uh, they're using the same, I say N number of cards, it could be four, it could be five, whatever. And I thought, wouldn't it be a better way to just um, basically give them a randomly generated but valid uh, credit card number? Now it doesn't have a, it's not tied to a bank account, but it does uh, it, it it does pass the LUN check, uh, the LUN algorithm, which is you know uh, Visas begin with four, Mastercards begin with five something, you know five three five two, and they are sixteen digits, you know things like that. So I started writing an app that they could select their uh, the type of credit card they wanted, the length they wanted, what they wanted it to begin with, if applicable, and then would just generate them a valid number that they could then um, type into our e-commerce system in the QA department, you know, the QA uh, environment, and it would pass. Therefore, uh, later on down the road, their load times would be quicker uh, when they go, uh, you know, continue to work on their bugs or validate the code that I write. I hope that makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, okay, that, that good. Does. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, that, this, this is a pretty interesting project. So, uh, the LUN algorithm um, yes. sounds interesting. So, you're saying uh, basically every credit card that exists in order to generate the number, however that works at that company, when they give you a credit card number, they use this algorithm for generating that number, basically? Yes. And the way the LUN algorithm works is, let's see if I can explain it, um, is imagine a 16-digit uh, card. Okay. Um, well, let's take off the first leading digit. Let's say it's a visa. We're going to take off that four because visas always begin with four. So you're left with 15 digits. Let's take off that very last character because that's your, I guess, uh, error checking. Um, so it leaves you with 14 digits. So all the odd number uh, elements, you know, digits, uh, basically in the 14, you're left with 14 characters. Uh, the character that's in one, three, five, seven, you know, what else? They're all added, I believe, together. And um, that's and then you take the even number digits, the digits for two, digits for four, digits for, you know, in the space of that uh, array, they're all added together. And I think maybe multiplied by two or whatever. Um, and so you take that, you do some really basic math, you do mod 10 off of it. I believe it's mod 10. And then whatever that remainder is, you, you tack that on to the very last character. And then you uh, maybe, if it's a visa, you would at some point put the four in the front. I can't remember exactly when. And I'm horrible explaining at it. But that gives you a valid number that will pass the LUN algorithm. And this is applicable also, I think, in Canadian Social Security numbers. And things like, well, it's just numbers that will pass this algorithm. You know, being valid uh, means it has to be tested against, say, a valid bank or whatever. This is just to um, 
make sure it meets an algorithm. It passes a, a you know a math check. Okay. That's really what does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. 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 Yeah. So it's a LUN algorithm. So it's it's not super complicated in no. that regard, right? It's it's really just you know a, a simple set of, yes. of instructions. Yep. And it was uh, it's it's very you know it's. It's very old. I think. Uh, I mean, when I say old, I mean the fifties or fifties or forties or something. I think that's when they developed it. Uh, obviously, I think it's after the gentleman who did create it or discover it. Um, but it's been tested a whole bunch of times. It's publicly. You know, the algorithm itself is public. It's free to use. Things like that. And I do know. Besides credit cards, I do think like uh, social security numbers for some countries. Like I said, I think I mentioned Canada. They do use this particular thing also. It's just maybe theirs is nine digits long instead of sixteen for say Visa or Mastercard or whatever. Okay, so it can kind of scale to different yeah. numbers mm-hmm. and things. Okay, yep. cool. It's just, a, it's just an algorithm. <laughs> All right. Well, if uh, if anyone wants to go ahead and read about that, I'll go ahead and make sure that we have a link to at least the Wikipedia article on there. So mm-hmm. you don't have to learn how to spell LUN algorithm. I will be asking Jason afterwards <laughs> how to spell that. Um, cool. So so part of starting this side quest, you know, the application sure. that you were creating, uh, you said that this was mainly just to get more diverse data into the QA department. So they were always using the same thing, and you want to, you know, have an, another uh, element, I guess, of uh, randomization. You know, how the application will actually be used in production in QA. Yeah, there's a couple of things. I saw the problem. I was trying to address a problem, which was their long load times, and then and through talking with them, I also discovered that they're really only testing the e-commerce system, if you will, with just visa-based numbers, which are numbers, again, they're 16 digits, the first digit being four. And I said, well, do you guys ever test with MasterCard or um, Discover or Amex or China Union Pay or Instapayment? You know, things like these are other types of credit cards that um, or other types of numbers that are generated with the LUN algorithm. And they were, they said, no, we, we just use these particular, you know, in number of cards, which all being with four, all 16 digits. And I'm like, let's see if we can't get you a better, you know, um, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, sample size or, you know, things like that. But, you know, more random, you know, just for more versatile uh, testing, you know, because um, God forbid, what if someone actually uses a MasterCard and we've never tested for that? Be a, there's a lot of people that use MasterCards, a lot of people that use Amex, you know, and we're just not using that in our uh, test data. Like, we got to fix that problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I and I like how uh, some of the examples you were mentioning there were other things too, the you know other banks, things that I've never even heard of either. Yeah. Right, so that's that's always good to test for too. Yeah, I mean, I, I we work for an international company, um, and Visa and Mastercard uh, are not the only you know card credit cards that people use. We have to you know I want to test for other you know think plausible plausible. Uh, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, data, you know, um, examples. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So really quickly, um, Jason there said we work for an international oh, company. Yeah, yes, uh, yes. Jason and I actually do work for the same company. So yeah. we, we met, we're on the same team, that kind of stuff. But yeah. All right, Jason. Uh, so what what's the tech stack? So when you, when you went and created this application to go ahead and generate this stuff, what did you uh, use to start creating this application? Okay, so um, I thought about the architecture and I'm like, well, uh, how do I want the, you know, the customer would be the QA people. How do I want them to use it? And I thought, well, I want them to obviously... Uh, be able to use it pretty much like I was thinking I was being bold and thought they could use it on their phone. They could use it like as a Chrome extension. They could use it just as a web page. So I said, okay, what, you know, how can I break this up? And I decided basically it's just a, a web API I make a call to web API. And then uh, that was written in, I think .NET core. And it led me to some other discoveries, which I'll mention later. And then the, fr- and then I did a front end. And I just chose angular, uh, I don't know, five or six or whatever the, the current one was. Um, but because I, did the web API portion, I believe I can just 
you know, port the, the um, front end to pretty much any kind of, you know, other thing that can call basically a, a, an API. You know, if I want to write in React or Vue or, uh, do some, you know, maybe there's like a Xamarin thing I can call Web API. I can, I can use that too. You know, it's trying to make it as versatile as possible. Yeah. Okay. So, so the back end is just this service that gets called. I'm assuming yep. rest calls are yep. basically being made. Yep. It's just rest. And then, um, yep. It just, all it does is there's no database connections, nothing, uh, as of right now, cause I, it's just such a small little sample size of just, I just wrote up, you know, used 11 credit card companies. You know, I just said, what, what's your length? What, what do you begin with? What, you know, what do you need? You know, just things, stupid things like that. Um, so just make an object, whatever it's written in .NET Core. Uh, what version? Maybe two point two. I'm not real sure about that, but um, it led me to you know certain other things that I how can I say it, it? Well, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, we'll edit that. <laughs> we'll edit that part. I, I have to do the editing. So okay, right. you know whatever laziness yep. is involved, I'll, I'll probably right. leave it. So what was the question? <laughs> let's ask the question again. Let's put that so maybe we can answer it. I can answer it better. So so when you were working on this application, what was the tech stack? So what did you use to to create this? You know, back end, front end, etc. You know, your your tools. Sure. Okay. So um, for the uh, back end, is pretty much Visual Studio using uh, it was a web API. Uh, Visual Studio, I think 2019 is what I'm using now. Uh, .NET Core, I believe 2.2. Um, and then the front end was, uh, angular seven, maybe, uh, with VS code. I just wanted to see, you know, actually using the application with VS code, um, and see what that was like. Cool. So, so how much of this was new to you? Like you hadn't really worked with that stuff before this project. Itself. Um, I have worked at other companies with angular, just not, um, uh, I didn't get the, I've never gotten the chance to actually try to create it from the ground up, you know? Um, so starting with, uh, Hey, how do I want to address, you know, changing out the front end whenever I need to, um, that's what led me to believe, like say, Hey, let's just write a web API. Let's just, you know, it accepts gets and posts uh, or patches or whatever the verbs you want to use there. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, totally not answer that question either. Did I? <laughs> gotcha. That's no, okay. no, no, that's, that's okay. that was great. So I, I, I've never really, uh, I mean, similar position. I've never, created a new application with angular before so what what's involved with that if you're oh. if, you're, if i'm just going to go ahead right now set up a new angular application how how difficult is that um google's done a really good job um with i guess they have a tool called the angular cli which is command line interface <laughs> and it's just a few quick little commands that um allow you to just it just creates a brand new application for you and let's say that you know um you want to create a new service or a new component or whatever um the cli just put in a couple little commands to say ng i don't know new component whatever and it just does all this stuff for you i am in no way a master at it but it's really me going over google's hello world or you know tour of heroes application which is their you know instruct you know, instru instru instructional one just over and over and over again or going to plural site and watching you know um whatever the particular authors or whatever go over you know reactive forms or uh, template-based forms or services or anything like that, just kind of watching those over and over and over again until I go, I think I have the best version of this. You know? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so the the last thing that I had heard about Angular as far as getting a new project off the ground, there was it, it made it sound like it was difficult, and so maybe that was a much older version. So it sounds a lot easier now. That's good to hear. I think, I mean, um, I didn't do much because there's – there's Angular and there's Angular JS, which is the JavaScript version, which was Angular's first iteration. And then uh, Google rewrote it or refactored it or 
redesign or whatever. And so um, the, I think the new version, the, what you refer to as Angular, even though there's Angular 2, 3, uh, sorry, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, maybe 8 now, um, all those, all those uh, that, that, that versioning is just Angular. Whereas if you have the old one, it's Angular JS. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so so it's a naming thing, naming yeah. issue on there. Ugh, so that's uh, that's gonna it's gonna be fun searching the internet for. Yes, for when you have questions about, hey, how can I, um, I don't know, do this uh, binding to this property in Angular? You gotta, you know, if you're using Google, you have to say, you know, type in your question at the very end, say dash Angular JS, as if to say, don't don't include anything with that mentions Angular JS. Just you just need stuff that mentions Angular. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So. Uh, when you were working on this, as far as the things you learned and you know playing around with, as far as technologies and all that, did anything surprise you? Like come out that you you weren't expecting, maybe, or you know something was even harder than you expected, or way easier than you expected. Um, so one of the things I tried to introduce, or at least to teach myself, was the uh, whole CI/CD, the continuous integration, continuous development that process, um, because that led me into using, let's say, um, Azure DevOps to do the builds, uh, you know, that's where I put my GitHub account at check, you know, when I check something in at, um, it, it checks it into GitHub and then it pushes it to the uh, Azure DevOps and then Azure DevOps pushes it to the Azure websites or app app websites or whatever. Um, I've never done that before off like an Angular project or anything. It was, it, it was a couple of days where I was just reading goofy how-to articles and finally just a lot of fumbling through. I think I even, we came into work one day and I even asked you about it. And we looked over and you're like, oh, yeah, you forgot a checkbox or no, Jason, this is what an artifact is. And, you know, and you're built. Oh, OK. And then it once it starts working, it was amazing. You know. So. Oh, yeah. I, I love the, those set of tools. It's just it's one of those things that feels super powerful once you have the the mindset around working mm-hmm. with any of those. Just yep. just any CI CD pipeline, like as long as it's as long as it does, you know, what's advertised. It's oh, those things are great. Yeah, because. Currently at our company, we use Azure DevOps and then we deploy with Octopus, correct? Yeah. So, and, and I mean, there, it's just, it's very, very similar. I do like the Azure, the Microsoft one a little better. It just seems to me a little easier. Plus, if you already have, you know, your Azure subscription or whatever, you know, account, you've got access to deployment tools anyway. So it's just included in that price. So that's that. That's that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's there's so many tools for everything, mm-hmm. right? So it's that at least there's choice competition. That's always good. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so so you created the application. So now it's deployed to Azure, and you're mm-hmm. you're working with that. Uh, are you using any other services with it? Um, I don't believe so. I think it's just my little web API that it you know it just spits. You, you give it your um, you make your REST call, and it spits back a valid number, and um, I think that's pretty much it. No database connections. Um, actually, you know what? Let me, th- let me think about that. Um, yeah, I've started using App Insights to let me know about how to f- uh, follow the telemetry type stuff. You know, um, being able to write to a log file or trace or something like that to be able to see how long it takes to load. Yeah, I think those maybe those are extra services. I didn't even think about those. But um, yeah, it's really neat and super, super powerful. That It just didn't exist before. But now I can see, oh, this takes you know, X number of seconds to load up. Should it, you know, is there a better way to do that or things like that? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I'm, I love application insights. Just the, 
the built-in stuff in there for giving you all that telemetry for mm-hmm. your application performance alone is is great. You know, every every application should have something right. constantly running to to let you know the the performance of things. Yeah, that's yeah. All right. Well, cool. So, what's next for you? So you have this application; it's out there. You've been toying with it. You have the code on GitHub. You have your CI/CD pipeline. Uh, all of this was really just a side project. You said for uh, someday giving to the QA department yeah. uh, at work. So what uh, what's what's next for the application? Do you have any more plans, things to work on? Is this really just going to stay you know internal to yourself? Are you going to be uh, just toying with it? Is this like an application used to learn other technologies? What's what's the plan there? So I have shared it with the QA department. I've let them know that this exists and they can, um, you know, um, they can use it should they want to. Um, one of the beauties of having App Insights is I can actually go check to see if how if they actually are using it, you know. <laughs> um, and that's fine if they do. If they don't, the next uh, thing, I mean, I'd like to still continue to make uh, just goofy little, goofy little apps, you know, just Things that, um, that's the beauty of what we do is we get to try to solve problems. You know, that's why I like doing computer science, um, you know, writing our, our, our apps and things like that is to sit there and notice a problem and see, can I make a solution for it? You know, and given the tools available, how can I do that? That's just, so, I mean, wherever, whatever next problem that I encounter, that's what I'll try to tackle. There's, there's always other quests, right? Yes. Always got yeah, yeah, always got a little side quest, you know. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we leave, I want you to tell the story that you told me before we were uh, before we started recording, just because I, I love this story, and I'm glad <laughs> you brought it up. Uh, so tell me about the time you passed your uh, malicious coding course, I think is what it was called, in, uh, in when you were going for your master's. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I never actually passed it. I completely bombed it, but I didn't completely bomb it once. I completely bombed it twice. Oh. So um, the story goes is that when I was at uh, graduate school, um, I took a course called uh, Malicious Mobile Code. Okay. And it basically was a study on viruses and worms and things like that. Um, God, this must've been 10 years ago, probably. Um, but, and I did not do well. I did not do well in that course at all. And the professor was very kind. He, uh, he basically said, okay, buddy, I, I, I got to fail you. I'm like, shoot, you know? Um, he goes, but hey, you know what? Just rewrite this one paper and do this one assignment over again, and I'll give you a C. Now, a C in graduate school is the same as failing, but it doesn't hurt your GPA nearly as much as an F, you know? So um, I spent the next, you know, like I took the uh, the classic again. I mean, I take it again, sorry. I took it the first time and say the fall quarter, fall, whatever, semester, and then... Um, uh, got my failing grade because of me. That's that's totally on me. Um, and then was doing some extra assignments in the spring semester, wrote my paper. That was okay. You know, it's fine. He said, yep, that, that's fine. So then he goes, okay, now what I want you to do is redo your, um, I don't know, capstone project or something, which was basically write a virus that will, um, when you click it, it'll create 10 copies of itself that all print hello world, but they're all slightly different than the one before and after it. Okay. Um, and this was, you're going into assembly code and you're put, you know, print, print H, print E, print, you know, LL, print, you know, whatever. Um, and I've just made them slightly different uh, because I said print H and then put N number of spaces, you know, and then print E, print N minus one number of spaces, whatever. Something stupid like that. Well, that part worked. I could double click this file and it would, um, it would print 10 hello worlds. And the files were technically different sizes and different, you know, whatever. Um, 
And so then the next part of the uh, application comes where um, you have to write a virus cleaner. So yes, you, uh, you write 10 of these files and you need some way to clean them up. Well, I started writing that and I forgot to check the directory that these uh, files sit in. So it proceeds to go through every file and look at the assembly language and say, hey, do you find the assembly code for H? All right, do you find the assembly, you know, now go find the assembly code in the same file for E, for L, for L. Well, as I've discovered, apparently every file in Windows matches that pattern. I mean, it's it's not every file doesn't have hello world. It's got H and then something, something, something. Does it have an, does it have an E somewhere? Yeah, it does. Oh, cool. There's an E. Does it have a, you know, a, another L somewhere after it? Yep, it does. So um, it proceeded to do that. And what happened is the professor wrote, or he, I'm sorry, he ran this uh, virus cleaner um, on his production machine um, midway through the semester. And it apparently raced his hard drive because uh, it was removing every file that found those 10 characters, you know, um, in that order. Not necessarily right next to each other, but just, yep, there's an H, you know, there's an, there's an A guy like that. And so he then proceeded to email me and he was not happy at all. I did feel horrible about it, but he was like, I just, you know, you just erased, um, you know, half a semester's worth of grades and, and papers and stuff. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this sucks. Oh, I, I feel really bad. Um, and all I could think of was why did he not run it like in a virtual machine or some kind of safe environment? He literally ran it. He ran a virus that <laughs> of a failing student on his production machine and then proceeded to run the virus cleaner on the same machine. I, you know, just, I do not understand that. But that being said, that is what uh, transpired. I did not pass that class, at, uh, but I completely understand why. So I had to work extra hard to make up, you know, for that particular F. So I had to take four extra classes and get A's in those. That was tough. Ooh, Ouch. yeah. All right. Well, sorry. I I, uh, I oh. guess after you told me the first time, I thought you said that you did end up. No, no, I did not end up passing that class at all. <laughs> that was, and apparently now. Um, so what's happened since then, which is rather funny, is I have run across students from that uh, university every once in a while. Um, they have gone to the computer science uh, department. These are undergrads. Um, and uh, I think they said, you know, as I proceeded to say, oh, I. I, I I have uh, I had a story about that class or a story about that. They said, oh, you're the guy. You're the one we've heard about. You're the urban legend of the one who erased Dr. Blank's, you know, um, computer hard drive. We heard about like that episode happened. Like, yep, that's me. That's totally true. So apparently I have some notoriety towards me. <laughs> Not proud of it, but that's just, you know. Anyway, well, well you know, things happen. You know, yeah. At a minimum, I'm sure the, the professors learned uh, to use something safe when yes. I hope testing. there was a lessons learned for him basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And hopefully everyone else listening also learns yes. to uh, uh, test known viruses on some <laughs> other machine. Yeah. However goofy they are, do not use your production machine to test your virus cleaner upper. <laughs> uh, Patent right. pending. Patent pending. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that's all the time we have today. So Jason, wish you luck on your future quests and hope to have you back someday to show off all the cool loot you've plundered. <laughs> okay. Until next time, everyone, you can find this show on Twitter. We are at DevSideQuests, or you can go to our website, DeveloperSideQuestPodcast.com. Sorry for such a long URL name there. And if you could rate this show in whatever pod listening enchantment you subscribe to, please do that too. All feedback is welcome. Until next time, go work on a quest. Bye.